Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyanandana Salakaya Chaksur Miridam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Nama Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Svavodito Guru Dai Pushpavanto Chitrosando Tumonuno E Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabandhu Jagatpate Gopisha Gopika Kantara Rakanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gurangi Radhe Vrindavanishwari Vishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Sri Gauri Vashnav Guru Parampara Ke Jaure Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ke Jaure Good morning everyone, welcome. So we're gathered here at Audari with a small group of devotees in an intimate setting on the occasion of Sri Radhastami, the appearance of Sri Radha. And we'll discuss briefly from Chaitanya Charitamrita. Chaitanya Charitamrita, of course, is the great contribution of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami to the religious world, spiritual thinkers, to humanity at large. And in the very title, it uh, it speaks to us about the significance of Sri Radha, citing as it does in its title the name of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Charit Amrita. After the great uh, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, the sannyas name of Gorhari, Vishwambar Mishra, Krishna Chaitanya, so means who's means Krishna consciousness. Hmm. Chaitanya means consciousness and Krishna means Krishna. Krishna consciousness. And Krishna consciousness then speaks not about Krishna but about consciousness of Krishna. And that is most fully embodied in the person of Sri Radha and Sri Krishna Chaitanya. It is, it means Krishna, in the consciousness of Krishna, Krishna consciousness. So, as I said, most fully embodied in Sri Radha, Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, in the text, we find the position of Sri Radha has brought out in a number of places, but um, very beautifully in the dialogue between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Roy Ramananda. In the context of the narrative earlier in the text, of course, Krishna himself has explained the position of Radha in the context of explaining the, the truth about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in several verses found in his uh, auspicious invocation, the Mongol charm. There we find those verses played out in, 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 in the third and fourth chapter. In the fourth chapter in particular, we find this, that the person of Chaitanya, who is Krishna himself, cannot be spoken about without mention of Radha, because he's the combination of the two. So here, then, in the, we're in the middle of the narrative in the eighth chapter of the Madhulila, much further along. And, as I mentioned there, in the context, here in the context of the narrative, Radha's glory is brought up again. And the narrative is describing the meeting of, between Roy Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu desired to go to the south 
ostensibly for preaching. It's difficult for him to extricate himself from the loving affection of his devotees and shake free, so to speak. And one must wonder that how could he leave his devotees, his eternal associates, for preaching after the newcomers, making uh, new retreats. Of course, it, one answer is that there, there is this side to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. He is relishing the highest mellows of Rasananda, and he's reaching out to the fallen souls. As both Sri Krishna himself, pursuing his own love of himself, as experienced by Radha, that's uh, maddening to him because, after all, he's the king of love and measure of her love seems to exceed anything within his own experience. And the other side, of course, is that he's uh, uh, Krishna coming as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to taste Radha's love is also distributing the holy name and serving the purpose of the Yuga Avatar. So there are two sides to him. So apparently... Is one side the outreach to the to the Bada Jivas, the, the conditioned souls, seems to be overriding the, the uh, internal side that he would relish in the company of um, not just anyone and everyone. He relished with a small group his. Uh, internal uh, pursuits in, in Nadia, in the house of Srivastakur, in the nocturnal kirtan. He came out of that to bless the fallen souls, the pious people on the, along the bank of the Ganga who wondered about the wonders that were to be experienced in the house of Srivast, but didn't dare to try to force their way in. And from there, of course, he overflowed into Puri and so forth, but in these travels, we find that um, yeah, he, he, he keeps the company of his eternal associates to one extent or another, for the most part. He comes from Navadvi to go and take sannyas, but he, they won't let him go alone. Nityananda Prabhu has gone with him, Jagarananda and, uh, and others. In Puri, then he's surrounded by so many devotees of Orissa, and going south to preach, ostensibly to the reached out, as I say, to the to the fallen souls, he has an internal purpose as well, relative to this other internal side of it, and that is to meet with Roy Ramananda. Later when he goes to Banaras, he has already sent Tapa Mishra and Chandrasekhar there. So he, he, he both sides of him, even in the context of his outreach and preaching, the inner side is is, is never uh, entirely lost. So here we find that it appears that he went to South India for preaching and, in, and he made this, on uh, this pretext, he, he, he announced to the devotees he would be leaving, but they tried to draw him back to keep him there as much as possible with their sentiments. He gave the excuse that I have to find my brother who had taken sannyas. So this was a little closer to their hearts than you know, for family reasons he's going. Uh, uh, but unbeknownst to most, he was going to meet Ramananda Roy. 
Sarvabhauma was the external medium through which the uh, suggestion was made that uh, if you go south, if you must go, and, you, and it's entirely up to you, it's your decision, you're the Ishwar, you're independent, even as a sannyasi, but to speak of the fact that you're the personality of God at himself. You can do as you like, but if you do, I recommend one thing. You meet with this Raya Ramananda. Previously, I could not understand him, but after meeting you and being converted by you, I understand the two of you have much in common. So please do meet with him. And this is the real, one of one of the real reasons, I want to say one of the deeper reasons that he went to South India. Also to find, the, to get the Brahma Samhita and get the Krishna Karnamrita. Books that explain the tattva and the bhava of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. To place them in the hands of the devotees in Puri. That everything about him then might be understood from the point of view of tattva and the point of view of bhava or ecstasy. So this is one, perhaps the most significant event, the meeting of Roy Ramananda. And as you know, the um, the meeting gave rise for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to ask questions of, of Ramananda, rather a reverse of what ordinarily the circumstances would be. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi and Ramananda was of the Sudhubarna. So sannyasi would be instructing rather than taking instructions and asking questions. And Ramananda would be would be asking the questions and taking instructions rather than giving the answers, giving instructions to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But he placed himself in this position for internal reasons, which supersede then the external reality of Varna and Ashram, for example. The position of a sannyasi in relation to a sudra. This is all crossed over in the meeting of Roy Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to the bewilderment of the pious um, participants of the Varnashram system who saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embrace Ramananda and, and the mutual embrace between the two of them, bringing tears and ecstatic symptoms, the likes of which the, uh, the uh, immediate group had never witnessed before. So a very extraordinary religious, if you will, or spiritual event, spiritual event transcending the, the limits of the religious conception of the people in general. Varnashram Dharma perform one's duty in such a way that the, the heart of the body of the social religious system, Vishnu will be satisfied and this way we'll carry on ultimately leading to moksha. So something, what to speak of being beyond religion, beyond moksha. And more even. Even be, devotion is beyond moksha, but even beyond calculated devotion. Devotion that should be done because it should be done. But devotion in madness that's so bad that's questioned by the religious, the, the liberated and the devoted, whether it's even appropriate to relate with Bhagawan in such a way as the, as the inhabitants of Vrindavan and, and the possibility that Bhagawan himself could be subordinate to, uh, to to another, and that other, of course, apparent other, who's one with him, from another perspective, that is Radha. So this is the kind of um, meeting they had, the kind of um, 
the topics that were discussed, the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the narrative of his life corresponds roughly with the Renaissance in Europe when when people were becoming freed from the non-thinking that comes from adherence merely to religious dogma. Religion can, while it's meant to foster real thinking, deep thinking, and take us beyond thought, it sometimes plays out such that it causes people to stop thinking and not go beyond thought at all, not think at all. When I say, when I say stop thinking, I don't mean to stop thought, but to stop, uh, stop thinking about and participating in the conversation that I like to think of the revolution, uh, revelation constitutes. Revelation is the outreach from the Godhead to the world, God speaking to the world. We would imagine that he would want them to say something back, to respond in kind and enter into a dialogue with him. Such is the real nature of Revelation. Revelation comes to human society. Human society is meant to take it, to hear it, and to think about it and make some sense out of it in terms of time and circumstance, how to apply it. Such, to, such that one can transcend the limits of reason altogether. It takes reason to transcend reason, good reason, reason in relation to revelation. So, while Europe was moving away from the non-thinking that had become a result of uh, the uh, uh, Christian religious uh, dogma and 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 the reason, so to speak, was was born for better or worse, unbridled reason. I mean, reason untied to revelation during this time period, just previous to this in Europe. Then, philosophy was nothing but a hand maiden to religion, and um, that's not. I want to say that philosophy should be subordinate to religion and to revelation, but but both should rise to their fullest. Philosophy should rise to its fullest expression in relation to revelation. We have, after all, from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, a doctrine of Chintya Veda Veda, means a religious and philosophical. The Veda uh, is the religion, religious, and the Abed is the is the philosophy. Veda Veda reaching their height. But here we find in Europe that, that a, a kind of a, a superficial religious idea had come to dominate in, in as much as religious dogma had come to dominate and superstition and, 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 and to limit thinking. Real religion, real revelation shouldn't inhibit thinking, which would cause us to think in, 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 a, in a different way and reach, as I say, the heights of, of, of of reasoning, which is to know its own limits at the same time. So, here, this, uh, and this happens and happens in religious history, of course. This was a big instance of it in Europe. Religious dogma had come to, to inhibit thinking and, and cripple the people, in a sense, making them prone to really uh, often superstition and whatnot, and, and, and then the Renaissance and the birth of reasoning unwedded to as it was it turned out as it as it turned out over time to uh, revelation so while europe anyway my point is was 
starting to think. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was speaking with Ramananda Roy and the first thing that Ramananda Roy satisfied him with in terms of his inquiries was the idea that what was the question? The question is, what's, what's the purpose of life? What's the goal of life? What was the meaning of life? And of course, this was being asked in Europe too. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was asking this, what's the goal of life? What's life about? What's to be attained in life? This is the perennial question in human society. And when Ramananda Roy offered various things, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't, didn't uh, find them satisfactory. But when he said, Gane he said, that uh, then Mahaprabhu was satisfied. This is the beginning of something that sounds like it has potential to be worth attaining. Something, as I say, beyond thought. Europe was giving birth to thinking, to reason. And, the, and, and, Ram, and Mahaprabhu was satisfied with this beginning idea. Something beyond thought. Beyond, Gyan Shunya Bhakti. Bhakti. Love unencumbered by thinking. He said, now, now we're, I think we're, we're getting in the vicinity of that which is worthy of being attained. This is the basic idea of the, of the Braj Bhakti then. And then Ramananda went on to explain the different sentiments of, of the Braj, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, um, Madhurya. Within that then, explanation of Krishna Tattva and Radha Tattva. But this is the doorway then. This is where he was preoccupied and sensed that what was uh, worth attaining, something beyond mind and beyond well-thought-out even devotion. Gyanjuni bhakti means bhakti are not... Uh, devotion is, is transrational, and within that he wants something further. And that devotion that's, that's well-reasoned, that's performed because it should be performed, because God is who God is, and dutifully we shall serve Him. But something beyond that, love and intimacy, that wherein the reasoning, the knowledge, the knowing that God is God must be retired in order for that intimacy to take place. This had held some charm for Chaitanya So as I say was played out by Ramananda Roy in the successive stages of Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, and then some discussion of Krishna Tattva, and then Radha Tattva. And then it will come in the end to the exchange between Radha and Krishna, the Milan, the, the union of the two, the two as the one becomes two, the two become one, and this of course again is the very essence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, so we look, at any rate, to Chaitanya Charitamrita uh, on a day like this to understand something about uh, Radha Tattva. It would not be known to the world were it not for the descent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I was asked the other day, if Krishna and Radha are one, and Krishna eternally becomes two as Radha and Krishna, in order to taste himself, which is true. Sugar is sweet, it is said, but its capacity to taste itself is limited. So, if the sweetness, Swarup Ananda, of Krishna manifests as Swarup Shakti Ananda, 
in the form of Radha and her love for Krishna, then the capacity for sugar to taste itself as Radha and Krishna is born. And that Swarup-shakti-ananda exceeds the Swarup-ananda. That when that Shakti of Krishna, that is Radha, is within Krishna in an abstract form and not manifest externally in a concrete form. I say concrete, but but um, it's perhaps not, not the best word <laughs> because her name Radha, Radha, it, Dharha, we say it backwards, Dharha, it means stream, like a stream of water. It means flow, the flow of the stream. And Dhara, if you say it long enough, Dhara, 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 it will become Radha, 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 Radha. So the two, it's a flow back and forth between Bhagawan and Bhakta, Bhagawan and Bhakta. Bhagawan provides the opportunity for rasa, but without devotee, that possibility is limited. He is Rasananda, he is uh, full of rasa, but to taste the rasa, what is the meaning of it without tasting? So there must be bhakta. So the first bhakta is Radha, in a sense. She is deity and ideal of devotion, both. Her name means like this, uh, you take it backwards, stream, and the stream is going up, sometimes sometimes flowing one way, sometimes flowing the other way. Bhagwan is reaching out, down, and bhakta is reaching up. And she is that stream that unites the two and makes devotion possible, the very embodiment of devotion. So she, Krishna, in the form of Radha, is tasting himself. But the, the question was asked to me, then, what is the need of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? If Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's purpose is, is to fulfill Krishna's desire to taste Radha's love, but Radha is Krishna, then he must know what, what her love is like. So he becomes Radha to taste his own love, but the but the problem that gives rise to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu the dilemma on the part of Krishna is that he wants to remain in his own position and somehow taste Radha's love. In other words, when Radha manif- Krishna manifests Radha in eternity, and through Radha is tasting his own love, that Im- that moment amazes him, startles him bewilders him. And so from his own position he wants to taste her love. This is not possible. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is, is Krishna, Antar Krishna Bhairagoram. But he's trying to adopt the position of Radha without <laughs> losing his position as Krishna. Something like this. The other side of it, of course, that I want to bring out is that, well, why, why the necessity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then? This is the reason, another way to understand it. The descent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, more so than in any other way, by far, without comparison, the descent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu serves the purpose of Krishna in glorifying Radha and putting her first and foremost. And the whole, that is the saying of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Jai Radhe, Jai Radhe. Right? Jai Radhe, Jai Krishna. It is Radha Krishna. It is Radha Govinda. Radha Madan Mohan. Radha Gopinath. She's coming first. And when Prabhupada was asked, 
Why Kishor Kishori? One of his deities in, in, in Chicago, where Kishore is named first, and Kishori last, Prophet said, save the best for the last. <laughs> <laughs> so best, no matter how you frame it. But uh, uh, this, is, this is the unique idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and it, will be, it is heralded to the world by the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, because in the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna, trying to taste her love, is falling short. He's falling apart. This is particularly reaching its height in Puri in a way that we can understand it to some extent. Take advantage of it. Learn something from it. In his ramblings with Ramanandvaray and Srup Damodar in the Gambira and so forth. And they're, 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 they're speaking to him and citing certain verses from Bhagavatam like from Uddhava Gita and, uh, and uh, other places of Bhagavatam. And we can go and we can see what these sections of Bhagavatam are really about and so forth. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna trying to become, to, to, to taste the position of Radha, and it's, he's having difficulties. All the contortions and uh, of, uh, extraordinary um, effects of Mahabhava, we don't find they're affecting Radha in the same way. Mm-hmm. She could contain that. that that kind of brain. But when the, the ingress of that slightly into Krishna is causing him so much difficulty. She knows this. Mm-hmm. That's why, of course, as we say, Krishna wanted her prem, why she wouldn't give? She's the obedient lover of Krishna. But if she gives that prem, it'll be troublesome for him. Hmm? He won't be able to handle it. Something like that. Nonetheless, he can't hold back. So he's a thief from childhood, so... <laughs> Habits formed in youth are difficult to overcome. He was accustomed to stealing yogurt and butter because of the idea that it would taste stolen goods would taste better, something like that. He said, he said for rasa, for excitement, for making making more out of it, something like that. This uh, stealing propensity, which reaches its zenith, of course, in the parakya, the stealing of so-called others, uh, those who belong to others, something like that. So, he has to steal her brain, but that's a problem. Stolen goods, that's a problem. That will cause you difficulty. You can never enjoy <laughs> fully the stolen goods. So he's having a problem with that. But in the problem that he's experiencing, that he, that he willingly puts himself into, the consequence of that is that is the celebration the world over of the position of Radha in a way that no other Sampradaya, no other Acharya, no other religious path has ever come close to, to, to describing. They, they, they don't. No one goes that far. But then in Barkis, they will celebrate the, the, the Radha and Krishna, but not the position of Radha over, over Krishna. This is, uh, this is a Bodhi Vaishnava idea. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent, his appearance, in a sense, this Krishna's um, opportunity to fulfill his ambition to celebrate Radha's love as the zenith. As I've often said, every religion worships God, and in our religion we, they, they teach that God is the worship, most worshipable object, and we teach about what is the most worshipable object of God. I don't think you find that anywhere. So this is, what, this is then what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the answer he's going to get as to what is to be attained in life.
Ramananda takes him this high to Gopi Bhav and to Radha's love for Krishna, and of course he can't quite attain it. So it's to be venerated. Therefore, then the highest ideal in Gaudiya Vaishnavism becomes to attach oneself to Radha and thereby, as a maidservant of her, to experience that which, which Krishna himself is having difficulty experiencing. So this is the kind of high talks. Um, but there, there were they were private talks, private talks between Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Ramananda, of course, externally is a Sudravarna and an administrator, and Mahaprabhu externally is a sannyasi. Internally, he's Krishna, and internally, uh, Ramananda is is the gopi born on the same day as Radha, under the same astrological influence. Vishaka, she knows very well what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what Krishna wants to taste. So, a private meeting, everyone else was dismissed, they could not understand what they saw there. It seemed to cross over the Varnashram. The sannyasi is embracing a sudra. The sudra is teaching the sannyasi. What, is, what kind of religion is this? Crossing over the Varnashram, crossing over Gyanmar, crossing over Vaidhi Bhakti, and deep within Rag Bhakti. You know, this is the nature of this uh, discussion. This is what was going on, as you say, in private. While in Europe, thinking was freedom from, from, the, from religious oppression, if you will, and the abuse of religious ideas that uh, causes one to live in a backward way and superstitious and, uh, and even in a bigoted way, often, the abuse of religious ideas. So reason was coming out and there in Europe and it's gone so far and we wonder, well, it's such a small thing going on. We call it a big thing. We're making it, making the whole Renaissance like a very small thing in comparison to this discussion between Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we will think that, uh, that, I mean, the Renaissance is a pretty big thing uh, in the human history and, uh, and so on. We're to compare these two, and in comparison, we're, we're making the Renaissance small, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's meeting with Ramananda big. Maybe it is our sectarian propaganda only that uh, if it is so big, why has it not had such an influence? I mean, look at the influence of the Renaissance, and then look at the influence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's conversation with Ramananda Roy, the implications of that in the worldwide. It seems rather small, but. Sometimes big things are discussed in private. They're too big. They're too big and too high. Big in a high sense for everyone to take advantage of. Nonetheless, we do feel that it's, it's a subtle affair. And um, what's being discussed there is very subtle and abstract. And uh, it is having its ramifications and implications uh, over time. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, has come by the force of devotion to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from the east to the west and the conversation, the private conversation has become broadcast. It's been translated into English and so forth and, and uh, circulated around better by some and not as well by others, the idea, the concept and so forth and so on. But we do find some movement and thought in the world today that's, that's um, significant and arguably moving in the direction of the, of the nature of the conversations between Radha and Krishna. 
I mean, the whole idea, for example, that human society today is, to a large extent, preoccupied with the nature, reassessing the nature of the humanity's relationship with the environment. It was thought to have been all figured out with the birth of reason, as I say, in the Renaissance, reaching the point of Descartes' determination that human consciousness is life and everything else is not really alive in a sense and is to be exploited. Nature, the animal kingdom, nature is to be exploited by human consciousness for its purpose and that will be then the glory of God. Well thought out in a sense to differentiate between matter and spirit, a kind of a duality, but it was a very hard duality. Nature is is profane and human consciousness is, is divine. And the divine will exploit the world for its own purpose and thereby the world will become divine for the human purpose. It's not that in India people weren't thinking about consciousness. Long before Descartes reasoned about consciousness as he did, it was thought about in India and reasoned about, written about. Its revelation preceded Christian Europe and, and the Middle East. I like to think and, and say just that there's a significant difference in the way the Indians were reasoning about consciousness. They saw it everywhere, not just in the human. They saw it in such ways to cause a different relationship between humanity and nature. The stark contrast in Europe was nature is profane and unless it's used for humanity, it, it has no value. So to exploit it. And now this whole the world been moving that way for a long time. Hmm? Now we find in human society there's a, there's a huge questioning of the relationship between humanity and nature. And the answers that are popular, it's a crisis. The answers that are popular that, that, that make nature out to be more than what, for example, Descartes thought it to be, are more akin to the way in which in, in India these things were thought about. And, and, in, in, and it means what? The position of the Shakti. Nature is Shakti. What is the position of the Shakti in relation to the Purusha? We are the Purusha. And nature is the Shakti. And so now there's a fair amount of reverence of the Shakti on the part of the Purusha. This is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. <laughs> the Purusha is worshipping the Prakriti. The Shaktiman is taking a position subordinate to the Shakti. Jai Rade again. So in a very, I mean, these things are subtle, but it's, it's, it's undeniable. The world is gripped at this time to a large extent with a re-evaluation of the relationship between humanity and nature, and in Indian terms, and between Purusha, and Prakriti, between Shaktiman and Shakti. We are, in a sense, the Shaktiman in relation to the world, because as Krishna says in the Gita, it's the jiva that lights up the world. It sustains the world. It's the pusher, the sustainer, the purusha. Without consciousness, then uh, it's not coming to life. It's not taking the shape. So this, anyway, this kind of re-evaluation is... Um, is, is in the direction of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Let it take its full, when it goes, when it plays itself out fully in terms of the understanding of the relationship between 
Shakti and Shakti Maam, this is what you mean by Gaudi Vaishnavism. So it's not an insignificant thing that after all these years since the Renaissance and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission has also come to the West. And with it, with it, other ideas from the East too, other types of yoga, Gyanmarg, Yogamarg, uh, different ideas. Ideas that are ideas about Brahman, ideas about Paramatma, Gyanmarg, Advaita, their veneration of Brahman as they understand it, Yogamarg, and his veneration of Paramatma, on the low end with the idea of Paramatma Sayuja and the high end of Shantarasa, mixed in either case with some Bhakti. Gyanmarg, the popular Gyanmarg, of course, is Advaita, mixed with Bhakti. So these are also coming. These are what? They represent paths identifying with the, with the connotative and the cognitive aspect of the Absolute. And Gaudiya Vaishnavism with the affective, with existence it means, with knowing, with ecstasy, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. These things are coming to the, we look at it like this, these things are coming to the West for a purpose, they have a purpose. Purpose is to, for us to be able to explain bhakti by way of contrast. Here's something that's included within bhakti, Brahman, existence. Here's something included within bhakti, paramatma, cognizance. And here is bhakti, ecstasy, little knowing, and, and it would appear like a small existence only. Village life, very small-minded existence, a little knowing, knowing what to do in love. Love has a kind of knowing, and, and, and the emphasis on love, on ecstasy. And that's why the Vrindavan looks like uneducated people and a small world, very provincial. It's not a big, expansive sense of existence. It's a small idea of existence. The inhabitants of Braj were happy to find out from Krishna that in their next life that they'd all be together. From Gokul, they would go to Gokul. They didn't quite understand it like that. They just know my, the cows will be there, my, my wife, my children will be there, and of course, Gobran Hill will be there, Jammu will be there. These are the things they're attached to. That on one side, the Bhagavatam seems to be critiquing Dehatma Buddhi, to, you know, to, to, to think that, you, that your town is the best town, little town, because you were born there, something <laughs> like that. No, there's a bigger idea. On the big side, we come to this. It looks so small, Vrindavan. It means, in this sense, also, it's small in terms of existence, and small in terms of knowing, big in terms of bliss. Let me follow up on that. It's big in terms of bliss, so big in terms of bliss, ecstasy, and love. The whole place, Jairade, predominated by her. It's her domain. She is Mahab, Bhav. Swarupini. Among Shakti, there are the three. The Swarup Shakti, the, the, the internal, the, 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 the intermediate, the, the Jeev Shakti, the Maya Shakti. These primary energies are described. And the Swarup Shakti is the primary. And within the Swarup Shakti, there are three. Sambit, Sandini, Ladini. And Ladini is the greater balance. And this is the... Radharani is the personification of of this Ladini uh, ecstasy. So when I say that existence is small there, knowing is small there, bliss is small there, you should still know that the existence there is bigger than Brahman. <laughs> the knowing there is bigger than Paramatma knowing. They look small in the context of Lila, but they're big 
to know this, to know myself in terms of a relationship with Krishna, what kind of knowing is that compared to knowing the Paramatma? What kind of existence is Vrindavan compared to the Brahman where there's no sense of another? What kind of existence? How big of an existence is that? It's as big as there's another. <laughs> that would make it big. And the possibility of, of meaningful life and exchange and so forth and affection. As I've often said, Brahman would appear to be big. Vaikuntha looks a little smaller and Goloka looks even smaller. But that's, that smallness, what it's about, it's about affection. And affection is what makes a thing big and accommodating. Because affection requires specificity. And the more you know about someone, the more you can love them. If there's nothing to know about them, they have no qualities, no form, no qualities, no leela. How much can you know about them? How much affection can you show? The more there are specifics, the more there's potential for affection. Krishna showed Arjuna on universal form. He, it wasn't much, it looks like a big thing. But Krishna's form is bigger sitting on the chariot because there's more facility for affection there. Really, that's why I say, you can, you can own the whole world, but if, you don't have, if nobody loves you, <laughs> what is your position? But if you can live in the hollow of a tree with someone that you love, then you wouldn't need anything, any more room. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu lived in a small room, about eight by eight, with no windows, stone room. How big of an idea he had. So big that he melted and went out underneath the door. It's the only explanation that they could come up with, because the door was locked. So they reasoned he must have melted and gone underneath the door. And it's not unreasonable, after all. He's trying to enter the flow, the stream that is Radha. Radha, Radha. And as they say, she's in an abstract form and within him and manifest outward as a concrete form. Concrete with water <laughs> added to it then. <laughs> melting, melting such is the nature of rasa, and it melts Krishna. She melts Krishna in such a way that, that he flows towards the jiva and touches the hearts of the jiva, and the jiva's heart flows towards Krishna, making that union of, of, of between bhakta and bhagwan possible. So these are the ideas that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was preoccupied. This is his experience. And as I say, when we compare it to Europe, we say it's a big thing. But it's, well, it's like a pretty small thing. This is your sectarian idea. We see, no, it's coming westward and, and it has much to do. Yes, Eastern philosophy has been coming westward for some time. Not really much earlier than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come. After all, Thakur Bhakti Vinod's first book about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in 1896. Maybe Vivekananda came a little earlier, but... Thakur Bhakti Vinod was writing to Thoreau and Emerson, so around a similar time, coming east, coming from east, coming to west, eastern ideas. So the Gyan ideas also coming, the yoga ideas also coming, and so forth. These should be seen as not independent of bhakti. Their success is dependent upon bhakti. They help us to speak about, about bhakti, about rasa, indirectly by contrasting them so helpful to make a contrast and explain, to, to explain the position of bhakti, to explain the, the position of the, the attainment that Mahaprabhu found interested in, interest in, in rasa and bhakti rasa, and bhakti rasa free from 
uh, encumbrance of knowing even that Bhagwan is God and therefore there should be love, reverential love, freed from this. So it all has some, as we see it, some, uh, some, some part to play in making this, the apparently small and private conversation between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and Ramananda that reaches its pinnacle in the union of Radha and Krishna, making that known, the implications of that, the ramifications of that, um, the worldwide. Everyone is asking the question, who am I, why am I reasoning about it, in what way or another, what's, the, what's to be attained in life, reasoning there is nothing to be attained, or however, but it's the same, same inquiry. This inquiry is being made by Ramananda Roy, and the answer is Radha's love for Krishna. This is the answer. This is the thing, the highest thing to possibly be attained. And if you, as I say, play out the philosophical implications of that, you can see, oh, the universality of that. What is Radha? What is Krishna? Shakti Man, Shakti, what is the relationship? So forth. Then you can appreciate this is a this is a this is a deep conversation you were high this is high thinking and this has potential to satisfy human society human society is starting to feel more satisfied by seeing nature as something venerable something to that, that matter can teach us animate souls of course your soul throughout nature and that's a, that's a fact but that the movements of nature we can learn from reassessing our relationship with Shakti and as I say, you play this out fully that it comes to this conversation right here between Ramananda Roy and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu so it's not a small thing in an old Bengali book uh, and much of which is in a language that isn't even a spoken language anymore Sanskrit no, we shouldn't think of it. If we understand it deeply, we can appreciate the ramifications and see Gaudiya Vaishnavism has life. It is life-giving. It is addressing the, 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 the perennial question of human society where life within the world reaches its pinnacle. It is addressing that question in a way that is most close to the heart. And that is the question. You see, we ask questions with some knowing. We have some knowing that gives rise to questions. The questions seek to have answers that better articulate that which we feel that gives rise to the question in the first place. The question is not without any knowing. We have some sense, some doubt, some wonder, and the answer comes. And the answer is of this kind of inquiry, I mean to say, about what am I, why am I, what is the purpose of life? The answer comes to satisfy the self because it resonates ultimately with how we actually feel. See, the Gaudiya Vaishnavism is so wonderful in this regard because it's so much human affirming. It so much affirms the human experience, the heart of humanity that really distinguishes humanity from the rest of the species. Yes, we have intelligence, but we have a heart, a big heart. And we can do, voluntarily, we can... We can love, we can share, we can sacrifice in ways that aren't possible to the extent that it's not possible in other forms of life. We find that to some extent there because it's, it's inherent in the soul. Prabhupada used to say that our loving propensity expands like a beam of light. And where does it go? Where does it stop? Nobody knows. If it finds its resting place in Krishna, this idea, then it can have 
fulfillment. It expands, he might say, like a being of life unlimitedly, looking for a place to repose itself where it can find satisfaction. Krishna is the supreme source, the supreme taker. So that giving propensityness, it finds its... And that giving propensity within us, that is what Radha is about. And that is the important thing. That is what attracts Krishna. That is more important than Krishna. Krishna is attracted to that. We have some little capacity in that connection. And she shares her capacity with us. That is Guru Parampara, the ingress of Swarup Shakti. And our capacity in that regard has expanded to the extent that it can attract Krishna. So this, this is not an artificial kind of uh, add-on or something like that. <laughs> Gaudiya Vaishnava speaks to the human heart. It finds, it says, it celebrates humanity. That is the descent of Krishna in human society. Somebody asked me the other day, why didn't he ex- uh, descend amongst the gods? After all, he's a god. <laughs> you missed the whole point. No. <laughs> Being God is not the goal. God is telling us that. We want to be. We all want some position. God is saying, that's meaningless. I want to get away from my position. And he finds himself then subordinate uh, to Radha's love. He comes to human society, not to the godly society. He doesn't want to be a god. That's the whole problem. As Narayan, there he is on the throne. He says it in Chaitanya Charitamrita. This is boring to me. I find this boring. All these official prayers and whatnot. Comparatively, it's a high thing too, of course. <laughs> Reverential love, but comparatively, it doesn't get me dancing. As you don't find Narayan dancing, right? <laughs> Playing the flutes, herding cows, and we don't find like this. No, it doesn't shake me up my world up, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but, uh, but there's a kind of devotion that does, when that is personified in Radha. And that I would like to see the world shared with the world with the Chaitanya avatars coming and celebrating that and making reference to that and so forth, glorifying her position. So it is in human society that it plays itself. He doesn't want to be a god. And gods, what happens if gods fall in love? Then they fall down. If Indra decides to go with somebody else's wife, it happens sometimes in heaven. Then he has to come down on earth in some form. But love is full of, love is full and love is empty at the same time. It's satisfying, but if it was satisfying, you think you could sit and rest, but you can't. Once you touch love, then you have to move in another way. So it's, it's, it's the affair of human society. He comes here. He has his abode, Golok, it's called Devalok. He's not born there. There's no full expression of Vatsalya Rasa. Swakiya is emphasized there. There is some Parkiya too, no doubt. Parkiya is there. But the Swakiya, the sense of belonging, is greater. There's greater emphasis there. Here, when he appears on earth, it's not like that at all. Parakiya fully expresses himself, itself. So and that is common to human society too, the pursuit of love. Excitement. So it's very close to the human heart. Gyan, yoga, these things are artificial. Artificial. It's not what you do naturally. Bhakti is, is, is addressing the very condition of the heart. Bhakti, Bhakti Devi means Radha. The very condition of the human heart, the nature which really governs us. And just she coming to say where to repose it. She's pointing to him, he's pointing to her. And in human society, this is 
This, this, this should be a well-received message. We do sense that spirituality should be natural. That's why some people think, I'm God. <laughs> because by nature, we, we want to have a position. <laughs> and so forth. But, but if we look carefully, we see, by nature, we don't really want to have a position. We, we think we want to have a position. And when we get the position, we're still not satisfied. And the man will risk his whole position. The president, as we know, will <laughs> risk his whole position. How big is that position? He risks the whole thing for love. What is the power of that? Love, love is the ideal. Love is the position. And in love we become... We, the beauty is love we become a subordinate to love, to give. But as, it, as the position of Radha exemplifies, in a subtle way she, she, she gains the high, the high ground. In a subtle way, we agree in the high ground. In, I mean, in a subtle way, in a beautiful way. Indirectly. That from whom Janma, the Adirasa, takes birth, which is what the world is about. Chasing after rasa, aesthetic experience. That's what it's about. Someone attains a big position as a big uh, superstar or something like that. But, but it's the emotion when a person hits the home run and how far it goes, how many miles or how many feet and what speed. And that's, that's not very important. The emotional experience at the, at the arena is everything. So this is what life is about. So Janma Yasyataha, Bhagavatam says, as Jiva Goswami explained, the world... Is rasa is about rasa? It's what it's for. It's about the the birth of the original rasa, from where all other tastes come from. This exchange between Radha and Krishna. Krishna is directly God. Radha is indirectly God. Chaarteshu, their pastimes, abhinav, they are wonderful, and swarat, independent of this world, and not there there. Nitya Krishna Prem. Sadhukabunai, not something to be attained, eternally attained. What's to be attained then? Not in a causal way, something to be gained that you didn't have, that wasn't existing, I should say. But that's what is eternally existing, your prospect, your potential. Tene Vyas, in trance, he saw the whole thing. Tene Brahma, it came into him, the Adikavi. Muyanti Atsura, a kind of thing that even the gods don't know about. They're bewildered about. Tejo Varimadam Nitavinimayo. And this it's a, this is this it's the love affair of Radha and Krishna melting, turning stone into water, water into stone. So this Bhagavatam is all about this affair. It's quoting from the original opening verse. It's all about this love affair of Radha. And Krishna, and we, and we, as I say, it's, it's portrayed in this way as a romantic affair. This is again what human life is about. Romance takes precedence over everything. The president will risk everything for that. So this is what Bhakti is speaking about. So close to the human heart. So it, we should try to see the universal uh, implications of this, and then we can appreciate this is not just a small conversation between. 
some crazy renunciate and a fellow who's um, you know proud of himself he's got people fanning him around on the road carrying him on a palanquin when they meet and so forth there's some uh, obscure conversation in an old language part of which the Sanskrit which is not even even the Sikhism Bengali of course isn't even current the Sadhubhasha and so forth no, it's a big big idea big ideas you know they they they, they they say like sometimes you know they say big is small is big something like that the quality of their conversation and the discussion just look at it just really look at it in comparison to the discussion in Europe at the time how big it is what what where mahaprabhu placed reason he was not a religious fanatic just uh, just um tied to superstition and so forth. He was a taster of the essence of the Bhagavatam. He found a place for superstition, for that matter. In Leela, there is superstition. An ordinary religious idea, if we wake up and become a thoughtful religious person, then we could take out the superstitions and take the philosophical and theological essence and so forth. But in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you do that too, but it all comes back. Even the superstitions are worth maintaining. And the Leela they're going on. The Leela is full of superstition. It must be there. That's the non-thinking that's <laughs> possible for love. Love you, they say. What is it? Ignorance is bliss. That's what we teach. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Radha's uneducated village girl. That's all. Ignorance is bliss. Tamagun on the low side, that is the closest thing. Hmm? Not the Satvagun. Hmm? Pleasure, Tananda. It's, not, it's, it's the low side is the high side, something like they have some correlation. So, in this way, we say a few words about, you know, last week holding the great book, Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, open to the pages of the discussion of Ramananda Roy and um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Let me read a few words. Ramananda said, Eta sankshep kohila krishnera swarup, ebe sankshep kohi shuna radhatat purup. I thus briefly explained about Krishna swarup. Now let me describe radhatatva to you. Antaranga bahiranga tathastha kahi jare, antaranga swarup shakti sabarupare. Krishnera ananta shakti tate tin pradhan chit shakti mahachakti shakti nam. So if he's going to talk about Radha, what's the point? He has to talk about Shakti. Immediately begins to talk about Radha Tattva. First thing he says, Krishnera Ananta Shakti. Of Krishna there is Ananta Shakti. Unlimited Shaktis. Unlimited potencies. Tatetin Pradhan. But three of them are prominent. Antaranga, Bahiranga. The external energy, the internal energy, the external energy. And the Maya Shakti, Tatasta Shakti, Chit Shakti, Maya Shakti, Jeev Shakti Nam. He's talking about Radha Tattva. This is a nice point. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has embraced this uh, point here. He's talking about Radha and he's talking about Maya Shakti, Jeev Shakti, Antaranga Shakti. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, his explanation is this. What? He says that Radha is the fountainhead of all Shakti. Within all the Shaktis, amongst the three, she's the fountainhead of all Shakti. She's the 
स्वयं शक्ति कृष्ण स्वयं भगवान भगवान मैनिफेस्ट एज नारायण एंड लक्ष्मी इज देयर एज अ मैनिफेस्टेशन ऑफ राधा एंड सो फोर्थ दिस इज वन वे टू अंडरस्टैंड शी इज स्वयं शक्ति एंड स्पीकिंग रामानंद बिगिन स्पीक अबाउट राधा ही मैं एक्सप्लेनेशन राधा presides over all shakti all shakti is coming from her in the antaranga shakti the surup shakti we find sandini sambit ladini and in there ladini is most important most prominent she personifies that this is the full face of bhagwan shakti she as we as will be explained by krishnas she is the ladini she is the essence of uh, ladini which is uh, bhav she is mahabhav personified then jeev shakti pakdivino takur says it is a distorted manifestation of the antaranga shakti excuse me a partial manifestation of the antaranga shakti and maya shakti a distorted manifestation of the antaranga shakti we have sambit sandini ladini we have satchidananda and we have asat achit and nirananda distortion asat achit nirananda partial sat some kind of existence chit some kind of knowing in the jiva up to brahmagyan brahmananda some kind of ananda up to brahmananda little bit if there's not a little some part then rupa goswami is saying will fail that if you take the brahmananda and multiply it a million trillion fold it won't compare to a tiny particle of the bliss of praying it has to be something there to multiply <laughs> some tiny bit satchidananda then sambit sandini sandini sambit ladini what kind of sat what kind of existence is that what kind of knowing sambit what kind of ananda in ladini so this is a nice point of bhaktivinoda thakur he sees the bahiranga shakti and the tatastha shakti in relation to the surup shakti like one shakti expressing itself differently in a partial way and in a distorted way in very kind of and you say um organic understanding of all these shaktis and krishna's converse is showing the lead here first thing out of his mouth speaking about radha is krishna has an unlimited shakti these are the three primary ones she un- she divorced from that then entirely is she only her domain only the surup shakti no she's partially partially she's manifest as the jeep shakti partially manifest as the antaranga shakti she's presiding over of the bahiranga shakti presides over that durga is another name for radha who's difficult to go to not only difficult to get away from so it is antaranga bahiranga tatastaka jare in other words these three potencies are the three potencies of the godhead but antaranga srup shakti sabarupari out of all of them the internal personal shakti stands above the other two He quotes from Vishnu Purana, Pramana Shlok. Vishnu Shakti Parapukta Chetragyakya Tatha Parap. Abhidya Karma Sangaya Tritiya Shakti Rishate. The original potency of Vishnu is superior or spiritual. And a living entity actually belongs to that superior energy. But there is another energy called the material energy. And this third energy is full of ignorance. Belongs to that superior energy means we have a likeness to that. Hmm. being conscious then chit satchidananda maya krishna swarup atev swarup shakti hoitin rup 
Originally, Krishna is Satchidananda Vigraha. His personal potency, therefore his personal potency, the internal potency has three different forms. It corresponds with Satchidananda. Anandang Selhadini, Sadangse Sandini, Chidangse Songhit, generally Gyanakori Mani. So, Corresponding with Ananda is Ladini. Ladini is feminine. Ananda is masculine. And corresponding with Sat, Sandini. Corresponding with Chit, Sambit. Ladini, he puts a pramana verse. Ladini, Sandini, Sambit. Tvai ek sarva samshaye. Lada tapa kari mishra tvai no guna bhajite. My Lord, you are the transcendental reservoir of all transcendental qualities. Your pleasure potency, existence potency, knowledge potency are actually all one internal spiritual potency. The conditioned soul, although actually spiritual, sometimes experiences pleasure, sometimes pain, sometimes a mixture of pain and pleasure. This is due to his being touched by matter. But, because you have, a, you are above all material qualities, these are not found in you. Your superior spiritual potency is completely transcendental. And for you, there is no such thing as relative pleasure, pleasure mixed with pain or pain itself, Vishnu Purana. Krishna ke aladhe tate nam ladini se shakti dware shuka ashvade apani. The potency called ladini gives Krishna transcendental pleasure. Through this pleasure potency, Krishna personally takes all spiritual pleasure because it's his own personal shakti. He's not going outside of himself, is the idea, in order to experience pleasure. He's still Atmaram. Sukha Rupa Krishna Kore Shuka Ashpodan Bhaktagane Shuka Dite Hadinikaram. Krishna manifests all kinds of transcendental happiness, although he himself is happiness personified. The pleasure relished by his pure devotees is also a manifestation of his Ladini Shakti. Ladina Ladinir. Sarangsa, Tar Prem Nam, Ananda Chinmaya Rasa Premakyan. The most confidential part of this Antaranga Shakti is Prem, of this Ladini, which is the primary element of the Surup Shakti. Consequently, the explanation of love of God is also a transcendental mellow, full of pleasure. Premiera Paramasar Mahabab Jani. Say Mahabab Rup Radha Thakurani. The essential part of love of God, then, the essence of the Surup Shakti is Ladini. The essence of the Ladini is Prem. The essence of Prem is Mahabhav. And that ecstasy is represented in Radha. He says, Say Mahabhav Rupa Radha Thakurani. That Mahabhav takes the form. So here we're going to see Swam Shakti, you see. The Maya Shakti is the distorted manifestation. It's Asat, Achit, Niranda. The Jeeva is Satchit, Ananda, a little bit of Ananda. Hmm? A partial manifestation of the Surup Shakti. Surup Shakti has three elements. Within that, the Ladini is prominent. The essence of Ladini is Prem. Hmm? The essence of Prem is Mahabhav. And Radha is, is uh, the very form of Mahabhav. Prem Swarup Deha, Prem Vibhavita, Krishna Prayasi Shreshta Jagate Vidita. 
The body of Radharani is a veritable transformation of love of God. She is the dearmost friend of Krishna. And this is known throughout the whole world. That supreme ecstasy of Radharani is the essence of spiritual life. Her only business is to fulfill the desires of Krishna. Mahabhav Chintamani Radhara Sorup Lalitadi Sakitana Kai Bhuharupa. Srimati Radharani is the topmost spiritual gem, and other gopis like Lalita, Vishaka, and so on are expansions of the spiritual body. Radha Pratik Krishna Sneha Sugandhi Udbhartana. Tate ati sugandhi dehi deha ujvalabhan. Srimati Radharani's body is brilliant in luster, is brilliant in luster and full of all transcendental fragrances. Lord Krishna's affection for her, for her is like a perfume massage. So then, of course, in explaining the Radha Tattva, uh, Krishna Skaviraj drawing from Ravanathas Goswami's own writing is going to describe the the body of Radharani, which he's already said, is the form of Mahabhav, Mahabhav Swarupani, Radhatakurani. Hmm? As Mahabhav is the essence of Prem, she's the embodiment of that. And so people want to know what color sari does she wear, what, you know, these things. He's describing it in another way here. What her sari is this, her glance is this, her earring is that. All in ecstasy, it's all Pava. All manifestations of, of ecstasy that attracts Krishna. We'll stop here. But the point is here that we conclude with is we should try to understand Radha and Krishna essentially. It's not just a story. And it's not a... It's not as it appears when we, when we describe it in a narrative. In terms of how it appears to our mind whereby we, it becomes linear and takes on the physical qualities and, and so forth in a, in, in a way that by the, the limitations of our mind and our experience, we tend to limit that. This is what then starts, if we let that take place too much, get the upper hand, it's, it's what turns these wonderful universal ideas into something smaller and limited. And, and and then into religious dogma and a matter of memorization and so forth and so on. No, the form of ecstasy, Krishna himself, and the highest uh, prem, they exist. These are, these are, how can, how can we try to describe them, to get a handle on them, that we may apply ourselves in relation to that, philosophically and theologically and bhakti, by giving ourselves, think about it, the actual act, what, what bhakti is, how do you describe giving? It, it, it takes this place, I take this from here, I put it there, and so forth. But it's, you see, that's not what it is, right? It's, it's a hard thing, because you can do that and be thinking something else, be feeling something else. This is the experience of bhakti, it's really something you can't explain. What is giving? It's intangible. There's a getting from giving, as I often say, but you can't hold it up and say, here to see what I got. The real getting from, from giving. It's a kind of a growth that's invisible an invisible growth, an expansion of the... So, so we have to think of, try to understand um, uh, Radha and Krishna's 
reality in, 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 in these terms. It's important to an extent to say, oh, she wears this color sari and this and that and these things. For meditation, that may, may be useful and so forth, but it's meant to take us beyond the, the limited way in which the material mind will think about that, make that less, and then turn it into something that was going on in Europe with it a long time ago, so and has been abandoned now, largely, in the West. So, trying to shake free still from the shackles of that. See how, how burdensome that can be. Centuries of trying to shake free from that. Still some people hanging on there. And they're shaking free from it in a way as to, as to lose out altogether from, from it. So, so we have some some role to play in this is our idea we are positioned to be of some use but only to the extent that we can really understand these ideas essentially and apply them in our own lives so we will start to melt and be less uh, concrete if you will more more givers and uh, harder to understand (laughs) also ourselves so any question this time order after 11 okay so we'll stop there and there'll be prashad after midday. Thank you, all the guests, for coming. Sri Radhas to be Mamo to the Titi Ki Jai.